Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week? Wow. There was a lot to choose from this week. But I, <laughs> as always, actually. But no, this week seems to be a lot. Um, but I'm going to go with one Tyler Lockett. So I'm going to equate this situation to, you know, like the, the, the men and women who are married to like pro athletes, rock stars, you know, Hollywood people, whatever. And they, when they get divorced, they, they say that they want to, you know, they want the alimony because it's like, what, you know, 20 grand a month because that's what they're accustomed to. That's what mm-hmm. I feel about Tyler Lockett, right? He drops a 24 <laughs> points. He drops 27.8 in week two. And then he gets a freaking 5.1 this week in, in half PPR. Like, so frustrating. It's like you finally get to a point that like, all right, sweet. Tyler Lockett is, is the real deal this year. We're not going to have the inconsistencies that we've had in years past. Full throttle, let's go. And then week three, he drops a freaking five. So I'm pretty <laughs> bummed about that. That is my fantasy, my fantasy festivist grievance of week three. I'm with you. I'm with you. We uh, we all love Tyler Lockett. We know the uh, the hills and valleys that he has. Hopefully he's okay. I know he got hurt. I know he dodged serious injury. Hopefully he comes back soon. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles, and with me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm just glad I'm not one of the people being listed on the injury report after seeing so <laughs> many guys wind up dropping like during uh, during these last like few games or few days that we've had of watching football. I mean, hamstring injuries like left and right. I'm glad just, I just made it out of the weekend unscathed. My fantasy team's not so much, but at least me, I'm doing okay. <laughs> so happy to get a chance to come and talk with y'all. I mean, Jen, how are you doing though? Other than being mad at Tyler Lockett. <laughs> Other than being mad at Tyler Lockett, I know I'm great. Um, it was it was an interesting weekend. But like you, my, my fantasy team's not so great, but uh, I had a great weekend. I love fall. Fall is absolutely my favorite time. The leaves, all that stuff. So uh, I am in a good mood, um, despite the fact that my fantasy teams took a huge hit this week. Um, and, you know, along with injuries, there's, there's always the surprises, right? So that leads us right to our, our surprises segment. Chris, take it away. What do you got this week? All right, so my first surprise, and I think this is actually legitimately a surprise, is that is, is Derrick Henry like a PPR monster at this point? <laughs> because, what, multiple targets? I mean, not just receptions, right? We're talking about multiple targets in three consecutive games we've now seen him on top of having just the rushing floor now week one was an aberration for the entire tennessee titans offense past two weeks he's had just like back-to-back games hitting that uh, getting close to or like well exceeding the century mark we i mean that this is what we wanted from a guy like Derrick Henry. I think the problem that a lot of folks had coming into this season, as we've had in years past, is the fact that Derrick Henry, he makes his bones on those long runs. Like he might be bottled up and have like a 15 for 30 stat line at the end of the first half, but come the third quarter, he'll get that 60 yard touchdown run or two 30 yard runs, get a bunny touchdown, like at the very end, uh, at the very end of a drive or something like that. And we could almost bank on that sort of chaotic stat line or a chaotic series of plays to get him that stat line. But now we're seeing, we're seeing him used in the screen game. We've actually seen him run like the number of routes that he's run for a running back. He's he's actually up there with some of the wide res- or the running backs in the league that we would consider to be like legitimate PPR running backs. I mean, listen to the like the, over the past few weeks, right? 
We're now end of week three, and Derrick Henry has has run, I believe, just over 50 routes, 51 routes. Now, the other guys that have run the similar or the similar amount of routes, like in the same three weeks, he's run more routes than Antonio Gibson, more routes than Kareem Hunt, more routes than Chris Carson, Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook. I mean, these are guys, he is five routes behind Christian McCaffrey. I know Christian McCaffrey like missed a week and so on and so forth, but that's but just think about that level of opportunity for a runner like Derrick Henry, which is not a an outcome that we had expected for him. So I'm excited to see like while I didn't draft him a ton because I was one of those folks that was like going along that logic train in order to say that, well, I would just rather have Alvin Kamara. I would rather have Ezekiel Elliott. That's not working out for me all too good like, as of right now, but still that's the but that's what's happening as of right now so i'm excited to see like where this goes and without any sort of quality talent behind derrick henry we're not relying on jerry mcnichols we'll see what darrington evans looks like once he comes off of ir it's just we should be able to rely on derrick henry not just as a locked in rb1 because of his rushing floor but now we can start to rely on him from a receiving perspective especially since aj brown is now going to be on like he's essentially week to week if that's if i remember correctly from mike Vrabel earlier today julio jones for some reason or another he was playing 50 percent of the snaps uh, this past week on a, a load management like type of deal so if we can't even rely too much on the current pass catchers the primary pass catchers in that offense Derek Henry locked and loaded RB1 at least for right now yeah third tied for third on that team in targets with Chester Rogers who's also kind of a surprising uh you know mention not that he's killing it but he had a touchdown and he seems to have a role in that offense especially uh, as you said if AJ Brown misses some time yeah Henry I'm color me shocked uh that he's getting this type of work in the passing game but it's great to hear I'm shocked that he's run more routes than Kareem Hunt that just you blew my mind with that Chris yeah, and that's the thing that really shocked me because I was thinking, all right, maybe I'll hop on to PFF or maybe I'll start scrolling through Sports Info Solutions and maybe just see like, okay, this is just this is just overblown with either game situation type of deals and that's why he's getting this target share usage. But no, I mean, while he hasn't had any targets while the team is ahead, he's still the one running the ball when the team is ahead. Now, while he's gotten those targets while he's trailing, that's what we expect to see out of a running back one. That's what we expect out of guys like Joe Mixon. That's what we expect out of guys that any of the guys that we were drafting in the back end of the first round, early to middle second round. I mean, he's not getting Najee Harris type targets. I mean, we're not we're not at that level yet. But at the very <laughs> least, he's getting enough in order to provide him a floor. I mean, so Jen, I mean, were you in? I mean, did you even consider this as a possibility for Derrick Henry, like when we started the season? No, I mean, definitely not the usage that he's getting. I did draft Derrick Henry because I'll, I'll take his ridiculous 2,000 you know, rushing yards and uh, or whatever he ends up with. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think anyone foresaw, you know, this type of, of, you know, route running, this type of a passing game usage for Derrick Henry. I think it's exciting. You know, I think he's always – I don't want to say gotten a bad rap because he's the king and he doesn't have a bad rap. But I think that people – People passed over him for, like you said, Ezekiel Elliott and Alvin Kamara because, you know, obviously, as we all know, that the you know the passing backs are, are, are what you want um, in any kind of points per reception league. So I feel like this year he got a little disrespected. And um, I took him, you know, not a ton and not, not every time I could have, but uh, I took enough of him that I'm excited about it. And I just think it's fun for the league. I mean, it's fun for the league that Derrick Henry is now. I don't know about a PPR monster, as you said, but that he's involved in the passing game. I think it's exciting. Yeah, and I think that's where, I mean, to see him involved in that level 
like at that level at this point is what's just encouraging for him moving forward. So hoping that continues to be the case. But one guy that I really need to see that passing game usage comes in my second surprise and that Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he winds up getting 100 yards. He gets a receiving touchdown in week three against the Chargers. I mean, while most, most folks might look at that box score just to say, all right, so he can be my RB2 moving forward and all that. Not to say that he's not, but I need to see more from him. Like when we're talking about like Derrick Henry and his not necessarily evolution, but just a step up in terms of how many targets he's being used. CEH, his usage has been essentially cut in half. I mean, he only has five targets on the season. His target share last season was 10.7%, like last year in the 13 or so games that he played because between ankle injury, I think he was on the COVID list at some point as well. So yeah, down to a 4.9% target share this year. I mean, literally cut in half. He's still running the same amount of routes per game, He's still available and he's still out there uh, from a snap percentage similar to what he was being used last year. His his snap share did tick down this past week. I'm assuming that's part of the whole like fumble thing from last week. He also had a fumble in week three as well. But as a whole, running backs in the Kansas City offense in this Mahomes era have been around 18-ish percent from a target perspective, from a target perspective. Whether it's been him, whether it's been LaShawn McCoy when he was a part of that, Le'Veon Bell when he was a part of the team, so on and so forth. But running backs as a whole have averaged about an 18% target share in a Patrick Mahomes-led offense. CEH being down at 4.9%. Darrell Williams not really getting a ton of work either. Jarek McKinnon not getting a ton of work. It just says to me that there's something that shifted about that offense, which we couldn't have really predicted moving into this season because they had done so much on, on, their, on their offensive line, getting some of their injured guys back, trading for guys like Orlando Brown. So I'm just really shocked to see how much they're not using CEH, a guy that we knew when he came out of LSU had that level of capability within the passing game. He could run some of those routes that could be useful to to a uh, to a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think it's more of how Patrick Mahomes surveys the field because he's always looking to take some of those deep shots. But Brandon, I don't know. I don't know if you happened to watch that particular game. It looked like something was up with Tyreek Hill missing a couple of series here and there looking like he was banged up. So maybe this might be a chance for CEH to get more involved in the passing game, considering the, the team just made a move to pick up Josh Gordon. So it's just, I, I don't know. I am I want to see more from CEH, but I just don't know if that's going to happen or not. Let's hope so. This is kind of looking like uh, an interesting season for Kansas City in, in, a, in a bad way. You know, that Mahomes doesn't look quite Mahomesy. I mean, he's still doing good. I'm not trying to say that but you know they're one and two and Andy Reid is having a health scare I hope Andy Reid's okay mm -hmm. uh you know the the running backs aren't really a part of the offense as you mentioned the targets not just Clyde Edwards Edwards Allaire having five but there's only been 10 targets total to the running back position this year uh through three great three games in this offense so something is kind of off I gotta think that it'll figure itself out like the Chiefs kind of do it and we've seen Mahomes do this before we've seen him kind of handicap his own team I think maybe it's like a part of the NFL bargaining agreement where like Mahomes has to like take a few halves off in order to you know <laughs> balance everything out but uh but yeah I'm with you I'm 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 scared I Edwards Allaire as you mentioned going into the draft you know the Chiefs took him in the first round over guys like Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift because he was considered to be the more ready player to play on passing downs and not just uh, catching the ball, but also in pass protection. And the fact that he's not being used in that fashion 
this early in this game is definitely concerning for me, especially um, I had pretty high hopes on him. I was expecting him to be an RB2, and sure, the touchdown was nice, but it's uh, I, he's not out of that doghouse yet. It doesn't seem like it based on the usage. No, it, it doesn't. I mean, and Jen, for you, I mean, were you trying to buy into this season for like a, a, a sophomore season, I guess, uh, step up for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Or were you just kind of sitting back and just saying that, you know, I'll just go and pass, let me take one of the wide receivers that we could draft in like the same range? Or what was your approach to CEH when we came into the 2021 season? I was kind of more on the latter side there. I, I didn't take him a lot. I took him if he fell to a specific because he was falling you know as the summer went on um i yeah i wanted to believe in him and i wanted to believe in that sophomore you know surge or, or whatever uh because andy reed backs have flourished in, in the past and he's been able to you know get a lot from a lead back but it just didn't seem to happen last year and um i, I was a little bit like yeah i was a little bit hesitant but i did take him you know in spots because i did want to have a piece you know just in case um he did have a breakout um, it is concerning, and, and I think I mentioned this last week um, that I, you know, to kind of buy in on the Daryl Williams train, but I don't know really what happened. I, I actually didn't notice what he did this week. I don't think it was much, or I probably would have heard. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. I mean, like Brandon said, I mean, the whole offense is, is somewhat, I don't know, I don't want to say stagnant, but, you know, they've done this in the past. I'm sure they'll be there in the Super Bowl at the end. I mean, let's be real. But for right now, something, um, something is off, and, um, you know, Brandon, like you said, as far as Andy Reid, I did read that it was just dehydration, so I think he's fine, which is which is a good thing. Um, oh, good! I missed that. I'm really glad to hear yeah. it. I, I love Andy Reid. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got it. Yeah, so I just, you know, it's definitely concerning when when someone is is taken off the field in an ambulance at the end of a game. Right. Uh, you know, so it it was nice to hear he was just dehydrated. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, we'll have to kind of watch and see. I mean, I you know, it's funny when you guys were talking, it got me thinking. It's like on Twitter, you know, Ceh is one of those one one of those polarizing guys, like on Twitter during a game, like, it's like people are focused on him, you know, very much so. Like, it's either, oh, my God, he's a total bust, horrible pick, or people, you know, are excited about him. He's one of those weird polarizing guys that um, just there's a lot of tw Twitter talk about him every Sunday because people, I guess, either really want to see him succeed or are still really mad about that pick that the, the Chiefs made and want him to fail. <laughs> also, yeah, people took him, like, in the back end of the first round, like, mm -hmm. last year. I would see him go, like, fourth or something. So, I, I, I could see how that could leave, like, a really bad spot. I have fantasy, uh, you know, um, grudges that I've been holding for decades. So, I understand that. We all do. <laughs> I guess I, I do kind of get it because if you go back to that draft there in 2020, so they draft, they draft CEH at 32. But then, I mean, just look at the wide receivers that were drafted after it, and you know that they could use some wide receiver help at this point. What, T. Higgins went right after him. Michael Pittman Jr. was at, like, shortly thereafter. The Viscous Chenault, K.J. Hamler. I mean, there. I mean, there's not Van Jefferson, uh, Mims. Eh, we'll see. But there's just like so many other wide receivers, or even the running backs that were still available there in the second rounds. I mean, Cam Akers got drafted after him. DeAndre Swift got drafted mm -hmm. after. J.K. Dobbins. I mean, A.J. Dillon. I mean, while A.J. Dillon isn't the same archetype of running back, but it's just. Would you Would you really be surprised if, let's say, I'm just gonna pick a name out of a hat. Let's say like, I don't know, Chase Edmonds in the Chiefs' offense. Would he look all that much different than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at this point? 
Not a That's ton. That's a good point. No. no, not not really, because they just don't use their running backs all that often, or at least enough for us to be interested in that position from a fantasy perspective. So it's just that position isn't getting used the way that we expect it to, and it's just about the wide receivers. So then they should have just gone out and taken one of those wide receivers that they had, which was which was a very good class there in 2020. Even better, I mean, not even better, but at least a decent one in 2021 as well. So I don't know. We'll see how things shape up for the Chiefs over the next, what, 14, 13, 14 weeks or so. Hopefully they get a chance to turn it around because now with, what, the Chargers, I mean, them losing to the Chargers, the Raiders are just absolutely red hot. I mean, that division is now, the Broncos 3-0. I mean, that is a that is an actual tough division when two years ago we would have just not penciled but penned in the Chiefs for a playoff berth. And now I just, I don't know, after the first like three weeks of the season. Um, but the well, last guy oh go ahead ben Remember i was just gonna say looking at that standings like through three weeks that that like that like three and oh raiders three and oh broncos two yeah. and one charges one and two teams. it's one of my favorite things to look at and, <laughs> and i love all those teams like i don't have anything against any of those teams like i i love watching all of them but it's just so much fun to me when when crazy things happen and so far it's been such a crazy season that i'm just excited I mean, like we had the justin tucker game winning record-breaking 66-yard field goal. It's just everything is crazy this year, and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm here for all the kicker craziness. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday was like highs and lows all over the kicker sphere. Yeah, the kicker that re- recovered his own kick. Like, I, I love that. He kicked it, and the wind knocked it back so much. <laughs> I think that was the Cleveland kicker, I think. And uh, and so they muffed they, they, the kick hit the ground because the wind knocked it back, and the kicker – came up and ended up recovering it so it was like an accidental onside kick wild <laughs> it's amazing yeah but i would say that the so in my third surprise the team that was the least exciting when at least in the first half of most of the games the early games were completely boring i mean to the point where it took that what was it the run back in the cardinals game if i'm remembering correctly with gus johnson like just screaming his head off for the whole time <laughs> Uh, that was most like the exciting, the most exciting thing that happened during the first half of the early games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, let's talk about the Saints' offense real quick because that this is not good. <laughs> I I honestly thought that with Jameis Winston securing the job towards the back end of the preseason, that we would get an aggressive passer with Jameis Winston. You know, might, might be on a short leash. We might see some of Taysom Taysom Hill at some point if things go awry for Jameis Winston. But with Deontay Harris, who typically runs some of the deeper routes. We've seen some of those the, him connect with Marcus Calloway during the preseason on those deeper routes. You got Adam Troutman to work some of the interior middle field. Jawan Johnson coming along, Alvin Kamara. It just seemed like this could be a fun offense or an offense that could cater to Jameis Winston's strengths. But we've only seen – he hasn't passed the ball more than 22 times in a game so far this season. They're back into the league in pass rate over, pass rate over expectation. It's just, th- this is not fun. This, this is not exciting. I mean, the only player that we have any sort of confidence in so far, starting on a week-to-week basis, is Alvin Kamara. And with, even with him, we're just hoping that he winds up getting a, getting a touchdown, which he has in at least two of the three weeks so far. But other than that, this is not a passing game that I want to be invested in. I mean, are we really going to expect Jameis Winston to have a player draped on his back and throw a ball straight up in the air and... Marcus Callaway comes down with the touchdown like every week. I just I can't bank on that from a week week in and week out. So, I mean, Brandon, I mean, are are you trying to start any of these Saints pass catchers outside of Alvin Kamara? Because I, I can't I can't do it. 
only on weeks where they don't score. That's the only week that I'm going to start Marcus Callaway is when he doesn't score. The, I the sat weeks him that too, he scores Brandon. a touchdown, he's on my bench. That's how it goes in every league. No, I, I'm with you. I'm shocked Jameis Winston is 29th in the league in pass attempts through three weeks. Like, I thought that Sean Payton, Jameis Winston would be great. Is it possible that LASIK made it to where he sees the defenders better and now he's like, oh, no, they're coming for me. I cannot pass the uh, yeah, ball that much. Know. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> it, it, it could have been because I just don't I don't see why. I, get, I kind of understood in week one because week one against Green Bay was just completely mm-hmm. odd yeah. since Green Bay couldn't mount any sort of an offense. Well, they like, forgot for, to show their, up. Yeah, they completely so. forgot to show up. Okay, and I, Okay, that's fine. But week two, 21, 20 pass attempts. Last week against the Patriots, okay, I get the Patriots defense is somewhat, their secondary is somewhat fearsome. I get that. But still, just a conservative, I mean, low-volume passing attack yet again. And so just after three weeks, it's just, Jen, I I can't do it either. I mean, are you looking at anybody from the Saints? I'm not. Um, Like like our friend Brandon here, um, I have have Callaway, and I sat him this week as well, so I'm right there with you. But, no, I mean, it's funny. The the only thing that uh, makes me a smidge happy is that uh, I write a weekly column for Yahoo called The Wild Cards. It's, like, literally, like, anyone that grasping at straws, if you need a a body, and I put Taysom Hill this week, and he got in. So that made me kind of happy because I was like, you know what? Well, I thought about it, and I'm like, you know, the Patriots' defense is good. And if Jameis struggles, they may try to do some gadgetry, which they did, and, and he did get in. So I was hoping, and like, if anyone out there in Yahoo land actually read my article and like actually went with Taysom Hill because of it, and he got in, that made me a little happy. But um, overall, no, I'm not excited about the Saints' offense. I'm not looking to get any of them. Um, I don't have any of them really, other than Callaway, and uh, not sure how much longer he'll be on my roster. I just, it's you know, I don't know. It stinks when the Saints aren't good. You know, Saints have always been kind of good for something, and it just it's not very fun to have them struggle and have them not be able to put points on the board. And, uh, yeah, because, I mean, it's, you know, it's fun when Alvin Kamara can be good. And he can, you know, like you said, he's, he's the only one doing anything, but he's not going to score, you know, five touchdowns in a game this season is <laughs> the way they're going. They're not going to get down there enough. So it's kind of a bummer. Right, and it, I just can't – I can't – take a shot on any of those guys or any of those any of the wide receivers or even the tight ends i mean mm-hmm. to be quite honest at this point that that's just a bet that that i can't make but uh brandon i mean i'll kick it over to you man what bets are you looking for this upcoming weekend ah see i am looking right at some of the over unders right now not only does four for four have the prop tool to help you figure these things out but prize picks is over there and has uh, phenomenal options for you each week if you've done the hard work on your fantasy football roster this week take all that hard work turn it into real cash with prize picks simply pick two or more players decide if they will go over or under their stat projection for week four i love the under on kyler murray in a tough divisional matchup against the rams and the over on derrick henry against the woeful jets Download the PrizePix app today or visit prizepix.com. And if you deposit this week with promo code 4FOR4, you will get a $100 instant deposit bonus match dollar for dollar. PrizePix is hands down the most fun, fast, and easy way to play daily fantasy sports. Prizepix.com, play today. So, uh,. Buy or sell segment, there's a lot of options this week. I wasn't really sure what to do with this, but uh, the first one I want to do, and I want to kick this over to Jen because we talked a lot about the Rams receivers before the season started. Cooper Cup is the wide receiver one right now. He had nine catches, 96 yards, two touchdowns against the Bucks. 25 catches, 367, five touchdowns on the season. He's a scoring machine. Is he the wide receiver one, Jen? 
Well, he's definitely the wide receiver one on the Rams. Um, and apparently, I guess he's the wide receiver one right now in the league. Uh, I can't say I saw that coming. I mean, as, as you know, I, I'm always on the, on the Robert Woods train. So I'm definitely bummed about uh, the fact that Cooper has taken over. I do like it. Listen, no one really knew what to expect with Stafford showing up and where he was going to lean or what was going to happen. Obviously, you know, him him and Cooper Cup have something going. And um, it is fun to watch. It's a bummer for my personal fantasy teams because uh, I invested way more in Woods than in Cup. But uh, it's kind of exciting. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if it, you know, if he can maintain that and sustain it, you know, as the season goes along. But right now that offense is definitely, you know, in sync. And, and the, the Sean Payton, I mean, I'm sorry, the Sean McVay, uh, Matthew Stafford connection is definitely something that, uh, you know, is a good thing. It's exciting to see McVay have a quarterback that can throw and a quarterback that makes good decisions. So I don't see how, you know, I don't see why Cooper Cup can't continue this way, but it'll be interesting to see if he can. Chris, so the Rams, they're third in the league right now in points scored per game. Stafford is throwing all over the place. Cup is scoring like crazy. The Rams look really, really interesting to me. Um, Do you think this is a honeymoon phase or do you think this is something that's going to be sustainable all season? And are you buying into all those weapons? Yeah, you have to at this point, because if they were trying to manufacture some of those deep catches to Deshaun Jackson, almost like right out of the gate, it took what, like three or two or three, like before they wound up connecting for the deep shot, which turned into a touchdown for Deshaun Jackson. So they're getting him involved. Cooper Cup, I think after this week has separated himself like from Robert Woods enough from a routes run perspective that while the targets might be somewhat similar, I mean, we're not seeing that same amount of usage for Robert Woods, like whether it's between the 20s or in the red zone. I mean, clearly Cooper Cup has him dominated from a high value touch perspective. So, yeah, I am looking for Cooper Cup to continue that wide receiver one, these rampage that he currently has and separating himself uh, as the wide receiver one amongst all his other receivers. And until we see otherwise, like until we see those targets start to condense between him and Robert Woods, until we see Robert Woods actually getting a touchdown or getting a his number called in the red zone, it's hard for me to say otherwise when at the beginning of the season, we looked at, I think all of us, from in the fantasy community looked at those two wide receivers as being relatively equal, especially from where they were Absolutely. being drafted at. Mm-hmm. So until we see that start to at least manifest itself out on the field, it really is Cooper Cup, like wide receiver one season as of right now. It's crazy. And then Chris, kind of building off that, wide receiver two right now is Mike Williams, which uh, another situation where we definitely expected Keenan Allen to be the guy there. And he's still the guy. He's still doing well. But Mike Williams just kind of on a tear right now. Number two, averaging 22.2 half PPR points per game. Is Mike Williams, in your opinion, the receiver to own for the Chargers? Uh, no, I'm not there yet with that because <laughs> from a, it's different than the Rams situation because – Keenan still has the edge on Mike Williams from a routes run perspective from they think they're tied in terms of where they're being used like from a high value touch perspective so I haven't done that yet and also as much as I love to see this ascension for Mike Williams we have a fairly lengthy track history for Keenan Allen being the guy there with the Chargers we have a fairly lengthy track record at least from a multiple weeks perspective of Keenan Allen being the guy with Justin Herbert so now while I'm excited to see like and we saw this coming like all offseason. I mean, Michael Lombardi and Brandon State, like they told us during the in the offseason that with this new offense, 
They were going to have Mike Williams be the X in the, like in this uh, in this passing game. And I know like all of the all the comparisons for Mike Williams to Michael Thomas and all that because Lombardi was coming over from New, the coming up from New Orleans and all that. Those comparisons were made, so on and so forth. But that usage is there. Like that's what they're doing. Like they they gave us the blueprint during the offseason and actually executing it. And Mike Williams is rising to the challenge. So while I'm happy for Mike Williams, I hope he gets paid because this is his contract year. I'm not ready to say that he is the wide receiver one. I don't really look at it as, at least I'm not ready to say it's a wide receiver one, wide receiver two type of situation. I think it's more of a 1A, 1B situation where I'm still putting Keenan Allen in the 1A spot just because of the track history. But, I mean, we'll have to watch over the next like few weeks and hopefully Keenan Allen like resumes his role as being the guy. But, you know, as of right now, it's just it's hard to tell the difference between the two from a usage perspective and not be as hyped as we as we can be for Mike Williams. Sure, yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, the Chargers just buying that offense in general, it looks like. Uh, Jen, based on what Chris said, uh, do you agree? And if so, is Mike Williams like a good like sell option? Is he somebody maybe you should sell based on the fact that he's the number two wide receiver in fantasy right now? I'm excited about Mike Williams because I feel like he got very, very little respect this offseason. And I didn't really understand it. I think a lot of people had issues that, you know, he, he he didn't really live up to the potential, right, the last few years. And I think he did get hurt in and out. And But heading into the season, it's like, okay, so you've got this young guy who can throw the ball, right, in Justin Herbert. And all you had was Allen. And it was like oh, this offseason and people were just kind of blowing off Williams. Like, oh, there's no, you know – Hunter Henry's gone, and, and Williams is Williams, and, and it's just all Keenan Allen, it's all Keenan Allen. So I'm happy for Mike Williams that he's had this kind of, you know, emergence. I feel like he's he's definitely hasn't had the respect that, that he, you know, deserved, or, or, or I guess whatever. So um, I am happy for that. I don't know. Like Chris said, I definitely um, don't think of him as, as taking over for Keenan Allen. I think Keenan Allen is still the guy there. Um, I don't know if he's. I don't know if it's really a one A and one B. Maybe I think I still see it as a wide receiver one and wide receiver two. I think it'll even out a little bit. Um, I don't know about selling Mike Williams. I I have him and I, I'm going to hang on to him. Uh, I, but I also have Herbert, so I have that little stack going. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, if people want to sell him, I, I don't know that he can sustain this all season. I can't imagine he's going to be the wide receiver two in the league uh, for much longer. I think there's other other guys that are struggling a little bit that, that may come on um, as we move forward. But um, I think, you know, if people, you know, on, on a home league, if you're, you know, if you're hurting in other areas, if, if you need running back help or you need, you know, then yes, I think that, that selling Mike Williams is certainly a possibility because I don't know that this is sustainable. However, I think he's still, you know, in, in line for a really good season on a really, you know, a high scoring offense with a, a, a very, you know, a, a very productive quarterback. So I don't see it. It, it dropping too too much but probably a little bit i just battled uh, for a really long time but you guys know what i'm talking about no, that's fine. I did a lot of drafts with you this offseason, Jen, and whenever like Justin Herbert throws a touchdown to Mike Williams, I just think to myself, oh, good for Jen's stack. That's what I do. That's that's just immediately I have what comes him, I have I have him everywhere. I have Allen everywhere. I have a lot of those guys. So, so far, so good. Uh, all right. Well, last buy or sell I want to talk about, you know, uh, Chris talked about uh, the, the devastating injuries throughout the week. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, obviously injured Thursday night. Huge injury. Mm-hmm. We don't really know how long he's going to be gone, but at least a couple weeks with that hamstring hopefully he comes back fast but uh the man expected to step into that is rookie chuba hubbard 
uh, came out last week in, in relief and had a pretty good day, looked okay at times, looked a little hesitant, 11 carries, 52 yards, plus he had three catches, 27 uh, 27 yards through the air. Chris, we saw Mike Davis put up legit RB2 numbers last year in basically this role that Chuba Hubbard is set to come into. How much should we buy into him right now um, with, with McCaffrey out? I want to buy in as much as possible, but we can't just completely dismiss Royce Freeman and the fact that they were willing to go ahead and toss Freeman out there quite often, like after after Christian McCaffrey left. I had almost expected to see, like you just mentioned, like when Christian McCaffrey went down last year, it was Mike Davis for 90 plus percent of the team's touches from a running back perspective. And I expected the same for, for Chuba Hubbard. And actually, quick question, is it Chuba or is it Chuba? I think it's uh, Chuba because there's only one Chuba. B. It is Chuba? Yep. There's okay. only one right. B, Chuba. so. Okay, right? that, makes, that makes more sense. All right, yep. I've, I've, heard it pronounced, I've heard it pronounced both ways, but I've never been corrected before, so I wanted to make that before somebody comes, like, comes at me on Twitter like his mom <laughs> might find me or something like that. Yeah, it's but, definitely Chuba. Okay, good to know. But yeah, for Chuba... He did have like more of the like he had I think almost like twenty routes run like uh after but actually I think just a th- uh two thirds of those were run after Christian McCaffrey like went out but because re- he was actually getting sprinkled in like on multiple drives like while Christian McCaffrey was still in the lineup let's say somewhere between ten and fifteen routes run to Royce Freeman's five so at least we know from a passing perspective we should expect to see Hubbard more involved in the passing game than Royce Freeman. Although, like, Royce Freeman can catch the ball, but it's just from an opportunity standpoint, I would expect Hubbard to be more involved there if, like, uh, for how long, however long Christian McCaffrey is going to be out. But again, I know that uh, for folks that drafted Hubbard as a handcuff, like you were drafting the Alexander Madisons of the world, the Tony Pollards of the world, so on and so forth, you're getting rewarded with the RB1. But I would say from a touch perspective, I'm not going to put him at Mike Davis level of usage. John Paulson might come and yell at me for for this later, but I'm not gonna. I I can't project him, or at least I can't see him getting that 90% workload that Mike Davis got. I would put it at probably a 75-25 split, 70-30 somewhere in there, enough for if the Carolina Panthers are going to continue this rampage from an offensive perspective, and I think they'll have another opportunity like waiting for them. Uh, I believe this upcoming week because their matchup is actually fairly decent. So I I'm not gonna say that. Uh, Hubbard is going to continue to have that workload, but at least Freeman should have enough utility at some point for it. He should at least be rostered, not start as a flex or an RB2, but at least be rostered to see how that timeshare shakes out moving forward. Because even in the short usage that he got on Thursday, he looked pretty good. I mean, if just from just from an eye test perspective, it looked like he still had some juice coming over from Denver. So I know everybody's going to rush out to grab Hubbard this week, but if you can't get Hubbard or if Hubbard's already gone, put in the claim for, for Freeman and see how things work out next week. Might as well, might as well. Jen, speaking of putting in those claims, uh, Alex Gellar wrote the Waiver Wire Watch article, which everybody should check out on 444.com. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, he's got estimated at 25% of your uh, FAAB. Royce Freeman at about 3%. Uh, is that, does that sound about right? Are you buying those guys? I kind of am on the same boat as Chris. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, this is the thing. First of all, we don't know exactly how long McCaffrey's out, right? I'm not sure. I know um, I was reading. I edit uh, Adam Hutchinson's training camp article uh, every Monday morning. So, um, you know, I think it really depends on what type of tear it is in the hamstring or, or, you know, what grade or whatever that is. I'm certainly no medical expert, but something like that. And so I feel like, you know, if someone's going to blow all their fab, 
you know, on Hubbard. I don't know that that's the right move because we could see McCaffrey back in just a couple weeks. Uh, and, and, and like Chris said, we're not exactly sure how that backfield and how the usage is going to pan out. So it would be unfortunate to blow all of your fab on someone that may not get, you know, as many carries as you'd like them to get um, and touches or McCaffrey may be back in a couple of weeks. But, you know, I think if he is available in your league, you know, definitely throw, throw something down for him. And like Chris said, you know, sprinkle a little on Freeman just in case because we don't know what's going to happen there. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. So looking ahead segment, last segment of the week, looking to week four. Uh, I just want to tell everybody, don't blow all your FAB money on uh, Deshaun Jackson because this is what he does. He comes out, he blows up like three weeks a year, not on the weeks you start him, and then makes you pull your hair out. So uh, don't blow everything on Deshaun Jackson. Just kind of let it simmer. Let somebody else put him in their lineup next week. Uh, Jen, what's your uh, thing to look ahead to next week? I like that one. Um, you know, mine's just kind of a general, you know, basically we have bye weeks starting up in week six. So it's one of those things, kind of take a look at your roster, see what's happening. If you happen to have, you know, some people with early buys, you might want to stash some people now uh, before everybody who has week, week six buys in, in, in week five is trying to clamor, you know, for other people. So um, it's one of those things, you know, as, as a fantasy manager, you should always kind of keep things in the back of your mind. Try to be one or two weeks ahead of the rest of your league. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Great advice, great advice. Always thinking ahead. Chris, your thoughts for next week? Uh, so my top streaming quarterback, since that's like the easiest thing for me to think of, like for next <laughs> week, that's what's on my mind, <laughs> since I need to finish up writing that article. Talk to you later, Jen. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, Sam, Sam Darnold plays the Cowboys uh, this uh, this upcoming, mm. or I guess, yeah, the next week. So I'm on a short week, obviously, since they're playing tonight. Cowboys defense has looked good, don't get me wrong. I mean, they've gotten pressure on the number of quarterbacks that they face over the past like, couple of weeks. Uh, secondary hasn't looked too terribly bad, but this is also against the Panthers, uh, the Panthers offensive line, who middle of the road in terms of allowing pressure to Sam Darnold, but that offense has been as productive with and without Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. Now, granted, they have played against much worse offenses and all, like much worse teams than the Cowboys so far to date. But still, I mean, with the way that they've operated, primarily focusing on DJ Moore, uh, hopefully see, hopefully we'll see a bit more work for Robbie Anderson in a game that I'm expecting to be a bit more higher store, scoring since the Dallas Cowboys offense has been really good. I mean, tonight they've looked excellent. I'm not going to ruin it for you, Brandon. But <laughs> I do think that, at least from a streaming perspective, I mean, who else are we going to find out in the waiver wire at this point that, at least from – our roster or our roster uh, rostership limits for recommending streamers. It's going to be very difficult to find <clears throat> a better option at the quarterback position because ain't nobody rushing out to to try and uh, start Big Ben like this weekend. Ain't nobody <laughs> going to rush out to sh- start Jimmy Garoppolo after last mm-hmm. night. So I think Sam Darnold offers the most from a streaming perspective. So I think if you're going, if you are stuck in that position, he's the one that you should be looking at. Excellent, excellent. I don't have a problem with that at all. I've been excited about it. And, uh, you know, for my friend Dwayne Thompson, a huge Panthers fan, I just want to say keep pounding. Keep pounding, everybody. That's what I want to say. (laughs) Thank you, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at The Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.